Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey everybody, welcome back to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. I'm really, really excited for today's episode. Here's why. I'm sitting down with one of the most remarkable, one of the most incredible, one of the most like badass women I have ever met in my life, Ashley Stahl. I'm not even kidding. She's part national security agent for the Pentagon. Nope, not joking. Part professional career coach, part entrepreneurial extraordinaire who has this incredible copywriting and PR firm. She is this unicorn that can do it all. But she's going to inspire you not just because of her incredible accomplishments, but because of her story of how she got there. Because of the advice that she shares on how you too can go to such levels. I think by the end of this episode, you are going to have so much value that you're going to be a changed person. Now, she's been seen in Forbes and Self and Time and Newsweek and Fortune, you name it. She is everywhere because she has that much value to offer. And so it is an incredible privilege to have her on the show today. Now, an equally exciting announcement is this. Lori and I are in the middle of the second time ever opening enrollment for our life course called Aligned. Now, we only do this twice a year. The first time we did this in spring, there were hundreds of people who said we changed their lives. Let that sink in. Hundreds of people who said we changed their lives with this nine-week course. I want you to picture this game-changing way that we teach. I want you to picture a three-by-three matrix that changes your life, your relationships, and your abundance by doing a deep dive in three categories in each of those areas. We do a deep dive in your beliefs, your rituals, and your tribe in each of those categories. And here's why. This breakthrough life course creates results because we realize you can't actually have true transformation without addressing all three of those areas, beliefs, rituals, and tribe, because they all build on each other. I mean, you can choose all the great beliefs you want, but they will not stay in place without the right rituals. And you can attempt to do all the right rituals you want, and those will not stay in place without the right tribe. So Lori and I get intimate. We share stories. We share hacks. We literally share all the secrets that we have made up for ourselves that have given us this extraordinary life that we have spent over a half a million dollars on coaches and events, that we have spent thousands of hours in trying to crack the code, we lift the veil on all of that and we share it with you in nine weeks' time. And here's the best part. We even do live coaching along with it. Live coaching is not a part of the course, but we decided to throw it it in again the second time because we had so much fun doing it the last time. So as you go through this nine-week course at home, you actually get to jump on once a week with us and have a live Q&A to work through anything it is that you're working through in each module. That is why it is so effective. Also, as a special bonus, Lori and I are doing our first live event version of this online course called Aligned Live. And tickets for that are $999. 
but anyone who commits to taking the e-course and enrolls right now, they're going to get a free ticket to the live version of Aligned so you can meet your tribe, the people who have gone through the same transformational journey as you. This is literally the best case scenario for transformation you could ever put together. So if you're curious, if you want to live a better life, if you want better relationships, if you want more abundance, then tap into our areas of expertise, tap into our secrets that we share in a very creative way and go to becomealigned.com. Again, even if you're curious about what a better life could look like, go check it out at becomealigned.com. We want nothing more than to create positive change and transformation for all of you. So please join us, becomealigned.com. Only a few days left of open enrollment. Now, here's why I'm so excited to sit down with Ashley. I've already told you about the accolades. I've already told you about all of the huge media outlets that have carried her story. I've already told you about the incredible things she's going to share, but are you ready for this? Here's one of the best parts of her story. Ashley has made over $5 million in a very short time and then lost it all. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine finally cracking the code, getting your business up and going, making $5 million in a very, very short time and then losing it all? So we do a deep dive on the money mindset patterns that caused this crash. And then we share the steps on how she and on how you can mount an incredible comeback anytime you want to. This episode is so full of value. So tune in, listen up, and let's go. Ashley, how you doing? I'm so excited to sit down and chat with you. You are such an entertaining person. I'm so excited to chat with you. <laughs> no, no, no. My level of entertainment is like 3% compared to what I've been learning about you ever since I got to know you pretty recently. So, and, and by the way, you know, before we get started, that's the cool thing about, you know, when you're involved in, you know, this called for the love of money. It's all about when good people make good money, they do great things. And when you're involved in charity, you meet the coolest freaking people ever. And I probably would have met you through Amanda, you know, in a different way or through mutual friends in a different way. But I really feel like I got to know you when we went to the Pencils of Promise dinner in Nobu. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what an amazing group of people is right. I, I find that the generosity there and the generous spirit and heart of people who contribute like that, I am always attracted to knowing them. So definitely. Always. I mean, I don't want to get off on a tangent before we start with our rapid fire, but people are always like, how do I meet up-level people? Go to a damn charity dinner or a gala. Yeah. Because yeah, that's where they all are. Yeah. Okay. So here's, here's the deal. I start all my episodes with rapid fires, just a fun way to help my listeners kind of get to know you in a hurry. And right. if there's something really cool that we want to circle back on and do a deep dive on, we will. Sound good. Great. All right. Very cool. I'm going to start really easy. Where'd you grow up? Grew up in Los Angeles, California. Cali. I love living <laughs> out here now. And obviously you're still living out here. Yes. Still living out here after a stint in Washington, DC, London, and Paris. Oh, you know, just a stint all over the world. We'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite quote? Uh, my favorite quote is live life as if everything is rigged in your favor by Rumi. Wait, 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 wait. You know what my tattoo on my arm is, right? Or no? No. Is that what it says? So I have butchered that quote my whole adult <laughs> life. And I put the butchered version of that quote on my arm three years ago. It says live as though the universe conspires in your favor. Oh, I love that. That's I had no idea. Okay. Well, this is cool. Um, really what is one of your superpowers? 
one of my superpowers is helping people see what's possible for them. Mm, I love that. What is one of your favorite books? Favorite book of all time is probably Perks of Being a Wallflower by Stephen Chbosky. I've heard good things, but I don't know much about it. It's just the most, it's the best written book I've ever read when it comes to really feeling like you're connected and friends and looking out for the person you're reading about. Very cool. What is one thing you're challenged by right now? I would say the dynamic of making a lot of money versus having a lot of fun. Ah, yeah. You and me both. Favorite speech Mm -hmm. you've ever given? It's not my TED Talk. That thing I can't (laughs) Um, I would say the best speech I've ever given is to a group of 100 Jewish um, Iranian women who are looking to awaken and have been somewhat struggling with the cultural limitations that they're feeling and helping them question those limitations. Mm, That's amazing. Who is someone who's changed your life? Oh my God. There's so many who has really changed my life. A 10 year old girl when I volunteered for Camp Ronald McDonald for good times. Um, she changed my life because when I was going through a hard time, I volunteered for 10 days and she found me and consoled me and consoled me despite the fact that she had cancer and so did her brother. And that's why they were at the camp. Oh my God. I can't imagine a couple more. What is one regret you might have? God, it's so hard. I really don't live with regrets that I I don't think I have any. I I really don't. Good answer. One of your all time favorite accomplishments so far. Um, not making all the money I made, but losing all of it. It's the Mm. best thing. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to get into that story. And then last but not least, something generous you've done recently. I left, um, I left 500 bucks in my Uber driver's car when she was telling me she had driven a 20 hour shift because she wasn't going to make rent. Oh, I love <laughs> stuff like that. That's what the whole damn podcast is about. Okay. You're so badass. Let's go a little deeper into this interview because I want everyone to know how badass you are. So you worked for the Pentagon doing mm-hmm. a totally badass counterterrorism job at just mm-hmm. 23 years old. Why don't you start by kind of explaining that? Yeah, well, I grew up in a house where the news was always on and I had uncles and my dad somewhere to the right, somewhere to the left. And there was a lot of fights and animated conversations in my house. And so from a really young age, I kind of formed an opinion for better or for worse about foreign affairs. And I don't really know what it was based on, if it was really an educated opinion, but I just formed one. And so it was kind of a natural path for me in college. And after 9-11, which if you think about it, We really live in a pre and post 9-11 world. If you think about the airports travel, not just that, but the energetic, um, just the energy in the environment that we live in right now. It's very pre and post 9-11. We're in a more scared world. And I think that's why people are hungry to wake up and relax more into who they are because we grew up in such a, especially as a millennial, I grew up in such a tense environment. So you worked worked, um, for the Pentagon at 23 years old. How'd you get in there? So in 2008, I lived in France and I'll never forget, I came across this man who hit his wife across the face in an alleyway and uh, I was fluent and I am fluent in French, but I didn't know what language he was speaking. He was screaming in a language that sounded like it was from the Middle East to me. And she looked at me, she had a baby in her arms. And in that moment, I was studying politics and I was intending to go into government because I wanted to be of service in some way. And later I figured out that I misunderstood what that would look like. I just wanted to be of service. And I think a lot of the times our career is like a pie and we want to do some sort of slice of it. So for me, service was a slice of the career I wanted to have. And I just misunderstood it in that moment and thought, I'm going to go into counterterrorism and help women in oppressed societies uh, and help with security and help people. 
Um, and so from that moment onwards, I did everything I could to prepare myself for that career. I learned foreign languages, Arabic, Dari, which is the language of the Taliban. Um, I polished my French and I started studying Al-Qaeda in the Islamic Maghreb, went to a top 25 school in the world, King's College London for war studies, got my first master's degree there and just was like tunnel vision. And then fast forward, I graduated from grad school, came home and couldn't get a job. It was the recession, took a dead end admin job, making barely minimum wage. And one day I called my university and said, can you send me a list of everybody who's ever graduated from this school and moved to DC? They gave me a list of 2000 people. I called those 2000 people over four months throughout my lunch breaks. Some people obviously didn't pick up. Some I left voicemails, some did pick up. And you can imagine the nature of government is that it lends itself to privacy. Yeah. So I made a lot of people kind of uncomfortable in a sense where, you know, I was like, hi, my name's Ashley and I'm <laughs> from there too. And I'm for a job, but I eventually figured out what to say. And I eventually got the courage to quit my job in LA with about three grand in my bank account that I had mustered together of the minimum wage that I was making. And I moved to DC. And from there, I never looked back in the span of six weeks. I got three job offers, tripled my salary, which isn't the hardest thing when you're making minimum wage. <laughs> and I ended up landing a job offer, replacing a colonel who was 65 years old, running a program for the Pentagon as a defense contractor. And that was just the magic of human connection. And they had said that the colonel was delegating too much and it was a senior role, but a lot of people wanted to delegate and they needed somebody who had the energy to do the work. Yeah. Um, so that was me. That is wild. So, so wait, were you like running around with a gun in the shadows or were you like working in an office? You know, it's funny. I'm writing a book right now in the same name of my podcast called U-Turn, like Y-O-U. Mm -hmm. And this was my U-Turn moment was that I had to be around guns, which I didn't think I was afraid of at all. I was never really pro guns necessarily, pro hunting or any of that politically, but um, I wasn't. I was comfortable with people who were using them. But I had never actually held one until I started working in counterterrorism. And uh, the program that I was running was called the Ministry of Defense Advisors Program. It was preparing senior government officials. Um, I would get about like 60 of them every six weeks to deploy to Afghanistan and help. Uh, at Afghan Ministry of Defense and Interior, they'd be partnered with people to help them govern. And so, uh, and it was a part of the initiative to help NATO withdraw from Afghanistan so that the Afghan government could govern itself effectively. Um, so weapons training was a part of that. So I definitely had to spend a lot of time in simulated bombing exercises on weird military bases in wow. Indiana. Wow, what a trip. Yeah. That it had to be wild. Yeah, it really was. It wasn't for me in the end, but the experience itself was... Um, you know, the, the premise of the of the U-turn, the book that I'm writing is that I really thought that I could hack it and that and I'm sure I could have, but it wasn't who I was. You know, I wasn't there the right person. I was a hard worker. And so that showed in my job. I succeeded at it. But my soul was dying. You know, I was on military bases. The military base I was assigned to, I had to travel to 10 days a month in Indiana. It had been a psych ward before I worked there oh, wow. Oh, wow. in the 80s. So it had like an eeriness, kind of like the hills have eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. That'd be creepy. Like just the, the energy coming out of that place had to be just crazy. Yeah, totally. And they had Afghan people um, fly from Afghanistan to this military base as, as part of the training exercises to train our civilians and our military. And one night in particular, I just wrote this chapter in my book, 
I uh, was out and I forgot that my boss had told me that there were Marines practicing capture and kill. And he said, don't be outside of the barracks after 10 p.m. And sure enough, I, I, I totally forgot the next day I was working late at my desk. It was 945. I got out to get some food in the cafeteria. All the lights were out. And next thing I know, I had a bag over my head because no. I was I was fair game. I didn't because they they plant people around the base for the capturing. Oh, my God. But, Did you freak? Like what happened? I would have died. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, it's practice. So I, I at first I forgot. So I had a bag over my head and Marines screaming and I was first in shock and I was just kicking and thrashing and, you know, fuck you. Get off of me. Like just total <laughs> That's amazing. Insanity. Yeah. And crying. And, and then I realized, oh, my God, I was told that this is happening. And I'm like a little gazelle walking around a camp of lions. And I forgot. Oh, my God. That's so, OK. So obviously you went from dream job to lots of situations that made you very uncomfortable. What was next? Yeah. Uh, after after leaving the Pentagon or just in general with this this moment in time. So you went from Pentagon to you know deciding this was not for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then I became a career coach, which is an obvious career pivot. <laughs> <laughs> talk about a U-turn. That's wild. Yeah, exactly. Hence the book. You know, um, I really got honest with myself. I was doing well in the job. It looked good on paper. And that's what so many of us face, even entrepreneurs. I think the struggle of doing what feels safe as an entrepreneur versus taking the risk of really being who you are. And that was the moment that I was really humbled into after that day that a bag was thrown over my head. Eventually, the Marines let me go. But I was surrounded by a lot of different personalities that were very close ties to the Afghan government, the president at the time, President Karzai of Afghanistan. And it was um, a bloody country with a lot of potential bloodiness when NATO pulled out. There was a new phenomenon called insider attacks where the people we were flying out there to help them govern were getting blown off in the head oh. by the partners. Yeah. So there was a real darkness. And I made friends with a lot of people that we would deploy. And every now and again, I'd get an email that... One of them got their head blown off by somebody that they were friends with and helping. So that experience for me was the U-turn. Um, our, our program was a pilot program that was doing really well. And we got nominated by 14 ambassadors at the State Department who requested the same program for their country. And that was when my boss asked me if I would travel to all of those foreign countries to check it out, check out the area that we'd be deploying people. And that was when I knew I couldn't do it. So I gave my two weeks notice, but on the side of that, while all of this was happening, I was out of DC for 10 days a month on military bases. But the 20 days a month I was in DC, friends would ask me, how did you get this awesome job? And I had friends that had performed way better than me in grad school that had moved to DC. And so I started inviting them to Starbucks for cups of coffee and people started inviting friends and it wasn't like a formal workshop. It was just a cup of coffee and me telling them how to get a job and what I did and looking at their resume. Next thing I knew 40 people show up at Starbucks and I'm kicked out of Starbucks and DuPont circle <laughs> because too many people came and, um, people said, you should be a career coach. And I was like, that sounds ridiculous. I'm 24 years old now. Like, what does that even mean? And, you know, I'd heard of like a hockey coach, but I didn't hear of a career <laughs> coach. I'm like, what do they do? Like sit in the interview with you. Um, and so I eventually obviously listened and hired my own coach, started my coaching business, moved back to LA after giving two weeks notice, got another job doing intelligence in the private sector and had a side hustle of helping millennial job seekers find their purpose, build their confidence and land more job offers. It's amazing. So how fast did that side hustle turn into a real career? Really fast. It was about three months. I had 
uh, gotten an award for my security work. And I met this girl at a award ceremony in DC and she had just done a Ted talk at the UN. And I was like, I would love to do that one day. And she gave me this funny look and she said, something tells me you're going to do it in no time. And I had just given my notice and flown to Turkey for an intelligence assignment. And it was during the 2012 protests. And I was there in Turkey. And next thing I know, I get a text message. Hey, um, I just recommended you for a TED talk. So you're doing that now. And it was just like, <laughs> I'd never spoken, you know, on a stage at all. So, you know, having moved back to LA and gotten that opportunity really helped me build my practice. I signed my first 10 clients in the audience because there's 4,000 people in the audience at the TED talk. Um, came back to LA, that gave me confidence, started speaking more. So in about three months, I had a full practice and left my corporate job. Oh my God, I love that. And did I read or see an interview where you, you turned that into a seven-figure career in just a couple of years? Yeah, yeah. The first year um, I did about, I think, $300,000 in revenue on one-on-one -on -one coaching, which means nothing more than I was working a lot. I had so yeah. many clients to add up to that. But I put every penny that I made and then some into creating an online course because I started to see so many people get job offers from my step-by-step -step system. I had so many coaches coaching me on my mindset. I started doing that work, which I've still carried with me to this day. I do a lot of mindset coaching. Um, but from there, I ended up creating an online course, spending tons of money I didn't need to on sales pages I didn't need and assets that I never needed to create. And after a year of failing at putting a webinar on the internet, selling my job offer academy course, it eventually turned at the time it was called the limitless career lab. And it went from negative a hundred grand, which is how much I spent on it on credit cards. And I was in so much debt to, it was a thousand dollar course. And I ended up getting anywhere between 30 and 60 customers every single day. Oh my God. You're making 30 to 60 grand a day. Once you figured out the yeah. webinar. Yeah. Yeah. It was the craziest mindset experience of my life because I, I'd never made real money before. And as a kid, my dad lost a company. So my experience with money was one of loss and struggle, mm. not one of, and, and I think I have a belief that it's easy for me to make money, but I think I also struggled with keeping it because there's something in my mental programming around losing money. That's and a so real that's thing. Did. Oh yeah. Such a real thing. I'm still working on that. So urban legend has it that you made $5 million and lost it all. Is this how you made the 5 million? Yeah, that's oh. how I made it. I know. My God. Okay. You got to like fill us in more on that. Yeah. It's just crazy. Like, so, I mean, can you imagine I was so broke and coaching so many people, which was a whole, you know, cluster shitstorm in my mind because it's like, I'm helping people be successful, but I didn't feel successful because I was spending all my coaching money on this course that wasn't getting anywhere. So for, I was tweaking the webinar. I did it live. I was sending Facebook ads to it. I did it live about 30 times. Sometimes I would get a sale and break even. My heart would die inside when I would get a refund request, which was rare, but still happened because it was like I was already barely breaking even if anything. So I wasn't getting any sales, but I tweaked the webinar every time I started reading about webinars, hiring people to talk to me about it. Some people helped, some people didn't you know how it is when it comes to just hiring and trying to figure out an answer for something big like that. And then eventually one day, the thing that I did amongst many things, but the final thing I did that moved the needle 
was I got video testimonials of a lot of customers and I put it in a three minute video mashup. Mm. And at the end of the webinar, I played the video and that was what took me from break even to profitable. And at the end of that webinar, I had 40 sales live and I was like, okay, I spent $5,000 on ad and I just made $40,000. So I eight times my money and I just stared at the computer and I called my mom and was like, I think this is a fluke. Like, I don't think, I don't, I don't, I don't think this is going to happen next week, you know? And so the next week I did it again and then it, it's, it's the numbers held. And then the next week I didn't, the numbers held. So then I automated the webinar in ever webinar and uh, sent a lot of traffic scaled to spending about 10 to $15,000 a day on Facebook ads. And that turned into about 50 to $60,000 a day, dollars a day of revenue and I remember the first day I, I automated the webinar, I took a walk because every week doing the webinar was, I related to it in a stressful way, right? It's like- It became a chore or a job. It became a chore, yeah, because I'd just done it so many times. And even though it was converting, I just didn't have the mindset to believe it would convert every time I tried it. So there's like probably fear. There. Like every oh, week, yeah. this fear would come up or the, like this pressure to perform. Yeah, pressure to perform, like I didn't want to be broke, felt like I had these visions of being 30 years old and having a family, um, had a partner at the time where I eventually called off our wedding. So that was another God. element of, of all the chaos, but, but good chaos, you know? And uh, one thing that I got out of all of this is just never to rob somebody of their rock bottom, you know, because I eventually hit rock bottom with it. But on my way up, I got all these sales. And I remember the first day, I automated the webinar and I didn't believe it was going to work. So I told my ads guy, can you just send like a thousand dollars of traffic to this? I don't want to spend 10, I don't want to spend yeah. all my profits yeah. on it. And after the first $500, we got three sales. So we made $3,000 in sales. And I was like, no way, there's no way that this thing is automated. And I'm out to lunch with my friends. And what a I moment have of freedom. What a moment of freedom. I've never since I've never experienced anything like it. It was a, one of the most profound life experiences because I wasn't, I didn't spend years building a company with a team and bootstrapping or taking investors. I just had a ton of money on a credit card myself and a VA in the Philippines uh, who wasn't, didn't really know what she was doing. So it was like, I just, it was just me, myself and I, and I also had friends from high school and college having grown up in LA and I didn't want to separate myself from them. So I also felt really lonely because I remember being at lunch and checking my Stripe account and seeing six sales. And then I looked at my Facebook ads account, account silently as somebody went to the bathroom during our lunch. And I remember thinking, oh my God, we spent $500. I just made 6,000. Is this going to keep going? And you've got and that deep rooted fear of things don't last at the same time. Yeah. Is this starting to, to really catch hold, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It was like, there's no way I could keep this up. There's no way that I get to have all of this abundance. There's, you know, because when I was a little girl at age seven, my dad had a company with 300 employees. We had a big house and we lost everything. He, um, he was bought out. Smith Barney offered to buy him out. He declined. And then they took all of his employees across the street and double bonus them to leave his company. So eventually my dad went out of business. So as a little girl, my memory is success and failure. Like, and I know that success and failure are coexisting, but success and then failure, losing it all. Yeah, like and your I, blueprint was that they go hand in hand in that order. And so you were literally just expecting the failure because oh yeah. you figured it must come right after the success. 
A hundred percent. And it, it, it's happened, it happened with all of the opportunities along the way. When I got the Ted talk text message, um, when I was at a spice bazaar in Turkey, you know, in the middle of a bunch of protests, I look at that and I'm like, there's no way they're going to change the invitation all the way to the day of the Ted talk. I thought I'd get an email of somebody saying like, Oh, just changed your, we changed our mind. You're not worthy of this. And so that is probably my biggest passion is coaching a lot of women, but some very cool and involved men, like, you know, too, just with really believing in themselves and what's possible and realizing that they are worthy for things to be good, to be good and to continue to be good. So that's been my biggest healing throughout this whole experience. Uh, but yeah, in that moment, just realizing, wow, this is abundant and it's going to continue. I went to bed that night and did about $12,000 in sales off of a thousand dollars in ads in your sleep, in my sleep. And Every morning from then, I woke up, we increased our ad spend slowly every day. So over three months, it amounted to $5 million roughly in sales. And we'd spent about $1.82 million in ads. That's wild. I love that. Okay, so you must have thought you're on top of the world at this point, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I when mean, did it go the wrong direction then? When I hired a bunch of lawyers. <laughs> doesn't it always yeah, I know. It's so funny. I, I know that a lot of people in this space, there's a lot of rules. The FTC has a lot of regulations. I, coming from the Pentagon, value justice. Like, what else did I spend six years in college and grad school learning? Justice and doing the right thing. And so for me, obviously, my inner programming was like, something's wrong. You're making a ton of money and things are easy. So, of course, I was like, I need to find somebody to sabotage this. So who better than myself and a bunch of attorneys? So... I brought a bunch of lawyers in and said, hey, I'm making a ton of money. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what the rules are, but I feel like this can't be allowed. <laughs> and they came in and they said, it's going to take us a month to go through all of the materials. You know, my webinar script was 30 pages alone. The email sequences, I had like seven of them. There was just so much for them to go through my course. So they took a month to go through it. And then they came back and said, you know, this is what, you know, all, a lot of things in your webinar are in the gray zone. This industry hasn't established itself yet, but um, you definitely are, are really big on the radar and the government is going to be watching you because you're performing really high and you're very visible. And there were no career coaches to millennials at the time on the internet whatsoever when I started my practice. So it was also kind of this weird unicorn niche and there was no job hunting courses on the internet either. So it was just like very noticeable especially because my market was so big. It wasn't business coaching. It was everybody. 71% of the workforce right now wants a new job. So I'm marketing to everybody. And, you know, I know, I know that's a marketing rule that you're not supposed to do, but I really was. And so, yeah, it was just this weird experience of bringing in these lawyers, them telling me there was all these things on my webinar I needed to tweak. My heart breaking, realizing I did 90 performances of that webinar to get the one that was performing. So they would just look at me and they didn't care, you know, their job is just to educate me on where there's gray zones. So like, that's a gray zone right there. For example, there's a lot of case law around false uh, urgency, meaning if you have a recorded webinar and you say, you know, you've got 24 hours to buy this or even emails, um, but they can register for another webinar tomorrow, then that's false urgency. Ooh, I never thought of that, but it's true. Yeah. And there's a lot of case law. And everyone's doing that by the way. 
everybody is doing that. So that was the hard thing was that they pointed a lot of things that they said, this is a gray zone and you can definitely get dinged for this. And a lot of entrepreneurs care about getting dinged and they do the math in their head. Oh, well, they're going to bill me a half million dollars, but I'm making 10 million off of it this year. So I'm just going to wait for the bill. For me, from an integrity standpoint, that just didn't resonate. And from my programming standpoint, I like to get close to losing things anyway. So, <laughs> so what'd you do? Just like pull the plug things. out of fear or what? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought I, I told myself I had an abundant mindset. I was like, you know what? I did it once. I could do it again. I'm going to, I'm going to pull the plug on this and I'm going to put it back on the internet after I've done the webinar 20 more times and tested out a bunch of things. Uh, but long story short, I did all of the things they recommended and it killed my sales because after all, you know, customers do need, it serves the customer to have urgency. You're calling them forward to say, do you want this or do you not? Um, and if you're a wobbly coach, you're going to get a wobbly customer. And that's why I think that urgency is such a great thing. And I couldn't do it. And so it killed my sales. Uh, I spent about a year trying to fix the webinar by the time it showed any signs of conversion, uh, lead cost on Facebook had tripled. I had spent about a million dollars on overhead, um, just like with my staff, with trying things, with hiring coaches. I hired a coach for 80 grand who um, couldn't help me and thought they could, but the, it just, they ended up picking my brain on evergreen webinars. And that was the loneliest thing of all of it was that I realized at a certain point there were no experts left for me to hire. I turned to a couple of the top webinar experts in our industry who are charging you know, a um, hundred grand to write it plus a million dollars in royalties. And they looked at my webinar and were like, we can't help you. This is too well written. Wow. We would, yeah. They said, the only thing we could do is tell you to go back to what you did before the lawyers came in. And so it was like the loneliest thing in the world to realize that I'm the expert on this. I wrote a high performing script. I put myself through because, you know, I became an entrepreneur because I'm creative, not not to fix things, but which is part of the game. Right. So I spent a year in fix it mode, not in creation mode. And uh, I didn't have it in me anymore to fix it. And so I literally just closed out the program, told my customers, you know, it's called the Limitless Career Lab. At the time, I had 6000 customers in 31 countries. We had I had a team of 10 employees some career coaches, they were offering private coaching, business coaching, and then they were coaching people in the program. And I just closed it out and got overwhelmed. And that's something I'm working on now to this day is my stamina. And I think if you look at it, I had a ton of stamina, but at the same time, um, I don't know I, I, what I learned from the experience is that quitting can be for winners. There's a glory in quitting, what, you know, and how long ago is this, by the way, this was, um, towards the end of 2016, so about a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah, that's not very long ago. So, I mean, you're no. still kind of healing from this. Oh, totally, totally. And, you know, it's it's first world trauma, right? Right. It's yeah. not, it's like, oh, I lost all my money. But the trauma wasn't in losing the money. That was the gift. Because in every dollar that was slipping away, because I, I was in denial. I kept ads running, thinking if we try this or if we try that. And there's a lot of stories that ads people told me. Like, oh, well, if you lower your ads, the algorithm is not going to favor you, so you need to keep it pumping. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stories I told I was told that scared me, um, and, and I lost a lot of money because I bought into them. Um, but looking back, I wouldn't change anything and I think the real trauma, though, Chris, was not in losing my money. Obviously, I had to go through the, the realization like, oh, wow, I was just shopping for a house on the beach in Malibu. And now I am lucky if I can get an apartment. Wow. And like kind of stripped of this identity that stripped. you had for a little while. Oh, yeah. You and had to rethink everything. 
Yeah. And I had a business coach and he bought a yacht off of my company. I had a career coach who bought a house, a business manager bought a house. I bought a house. The company definitely supported me over the years that we had it moving from 2013 to 2016. But in the end, I was actually left with negative $400,000, all of which I paid off in one year of just selling some courses because 2 million people had registered for my webinar and I had cleaned out that email list to have 500,000 people on it. So I had 500,000 millennial women to sell courses to, but I didn't want to just create courses for the sake of it. And I don't want to just sell for the sake of it. You know, that doesn't resonate for me. And, and everywhere I turned, there were advisors saying, just sell this, do this JV. And I just honestly tapped out. I was so deeply burnt out. I genuinely had nothing left inside of me. Um, and the desperation of having so many people come in, you know, the feeling, um, and the beliefs that you can form paying somebody 80 grand thinking they're going to help me turn this around kind of like your inner child, like you're a little kid wanting to fix something and to turn to somebody and be like, can you help me? And for them to say, yes, at a time when I'm losing all my money, I hand them 80 grand. And in our sessions, you know, they're like, Hey, so what about who did you have help you with this? And how did you do that? It was like, oh, wow, they couldn't help me. And so I lost a lot of money just trying to get people to help me. And that, I think, was the trauma. And I think that is the beliefs that I'm working through now is releasing the belief that because I do think people are genuinely good. But in business, I developed a belief that people are going to screw me. Yeah, so now you're probably so afraid to hire any kind of coach or any kind of advisor. And it may be stunting your growth in your new career. And that's a big thing to get over. Yeah, yeah, a really big name, um, that anybody listening would know found out about this, um, through the grapevine and he offered himself up for free and he charges a million dollars for a coaching package. And he said, I want to coach you. And I noticed after two sessions, he started asking to promote his products to my email list. So even that, when I was in a vulnerable state, I was like, I don't want to promote anything to them. I want to find out who I am right now. And I want to find out how to fix this business. So It was like everywhere I turned and I don't know, it it must've been law of attraction, like me attracting people who had some sort of agenda or me being victimized. I have no idea. And I'm still looking at it. I'm still journaling about it. But eventually my, my little brother who is incredible at Facebook ads, who is incredible at technology. Um, he was like, just put a sales page up on your website. And I made this sales page, Chris, impossible to find. Like you have to go through like the Olympics of tabs to find it but I'm a good copywriter. So I wrote this sales page. Um, I changed, I wrote I created a new course on job hunting a year later. I forgot about the sales page. Didn't even think to link a cart that has emails that release the course. So I created a, a new version, an updated version of the job hunting course and thought eventually I'll deal with this. And I started private coaching clients. I started my ghostwriting, copywriting and publicity house cake publishing, which thankfully totally got me out of the hole. We started helping celebrities, entrepreneurs, influencers with ghostwriting because as I started the other, you know, as I did my e-course in the past, I needed a publicist to get me on TV, to get me on Good Morning America, to get me on podcasts. I needed, and that's what got me my Forbes column, you know? um, So now you literally put this team together, right? That's what cake publishing is? Yeah. So I, I pulled all of my writers cause I, at a certain point just had so much writing I needed to do that and repurposing, um, content that I started recommending all my writers to other entrepreneurs and business groups. And then they all became too booked to help me. So eventually I told myself, you know what, I'm going to put these writers into a company. 
And so I got my best copywriter, my best ghostwriter, my best publicist that got me the most press. And I put them into a company as part-time W-2 employees. And that was kind of, as I was in the hole, I started selling e-courses to my list to get myself out of the hole. I started um, doing speaking engagements, talking about cake publishing. And now fast forward a year and a half later, we're writing books for authors. We're writing book proposals that are getting people book deals. One of the ghostwriters on my team has three New York Times bestsellers. So we've just got an incredible bout of resources now. And it's completely been this huge gift. Um, granted, it's a lot more of a laborious company, right? Like instead of me sleeping and I'm getting 50 sales, you know, on a course, it's a labor of love. People are coming in, they want to talk, I talk to them. Um, so it's a cake publishing as a ghostwriting, copywriting, and publicity house, completely different ball game. Um, and we're writing from anyone from the Victoria's Secret model who doesn't want to write her column for Vanity Fair to the author who is burnt out to the Forbes blogger. But, you know, during that time, I really lost a lot of faith in people. Mm -hmm. And I also got a lot of faith in people because as you know, Chris, we have so many mutual friends. We are in a badass community of multi-million dollar business owners. Mm -hmm. And a lot of stories came up for me. Like, am I going to lose my friends if I'm not successful anymore? Ooh. Like these friends that I made in business groups, right? Because this little gremlin inside of me that thought I was going to lose everything had those questions too. Like, you know? yeah, you, you weren't just going to lose the money. You were going to lose the friends. You're going to lose the life. Yeah. Yeah. Like, are my friends going to care? Like, are they going to see value in me? Am I still going to be valuable in the business group that I have a membership in that I paid 50 grand for that my membership isn't expired yet? So I'm still showing up at the meetings with negative 400 grand in my bank account. Like, are these people still going to, or, or are they going to look at me and judge me the way I was judging myself? And what's the verdict, by the way? So it's been, you know, a year and a half or a year since is yeah. it, what's the verdict? Have the yeah. key people stayed in your life and is everything okay? Yeah. The verdict is that, um, everybody stayed in my life. Not just, I didn't lose one. Um, my core group of girlfriends, probably six of them. Um, you know, Libby, uh, Libby Crow, she showed up at my house with furniture I got a new apartment because I couldn't so cool. afford the house. I moved out of the house I bought and rented it out so I could keep the house. And um, and she showed up with furniture. And she's like, hey, I'm going nomadic. So I, Because I told her, I texted her, I don't know how I'm going to buy furniture to furnish my new place. And because I rented my house out furnished. And she showed up at my house with a rug, with uh, a bench, with like all sorts of things. Um, my friends were going to Bali. They bought me a ticket. They're like, oh, you're coming, you know. <laughs> what uh, a great group of friends. That's why you need yeah. that's why you need that super high level but authentically loving tribe, isn't it? Oh my God. Oh my God. And you know what? Like I'm so moved just talking to you because I know Lori, being your wife, she's one of them who just so gets it, so gets yep. like the power of female bonds. And, you know, I guess anybody listening, it's like I hope if they have any friend they're on the fence about, they just let them go because mm, good advice. there's such extraordinary people out there who are so ready to show up for you. And I think that was the healing for me was like, okay, I've been screwed over in business, but, um, that doesn't mean that's going to continue. And I have to look at the beliefs that I held to create that reality because I created this. And if I look anywhere down the line of any relationship that took from me, um, if, if I want to be victimized about the way I'm stating it took from me, 
I can identify somewhere that I co-created that somewhere where the person told me, Hey, this is how it is. And there was something inside me that said, no, it's not. But then I said, okay. And just trusted them with my money. You know, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I was going to ask you what, cause yeah. I ask everybody this, you know, what role generosity has played in your success, but you just explained it. Like your tribe was there for you in every generous way possible. It's, it's remarkable. Oh Yes. And a lot of them have married men that have just as big as minds of they, that they do. And so their husbands have been a gift to me too. Like their husbands running these massive masterminds have said, you know, Ashley, come sit down with me. And, and so for example, I put, like I was saying, I put this random sales page on the internet, like hidden on my website on Ashley International for the Job Offer Academy course. And it was my updated job hunting course, you know, no group calls, nothing, just the automated content. And I threw it on the internet. I don't think about it. There's a shopping cart for a couple hundred bucks. And I get a phone call from my mom three weeks later because she's my bookkeeper and she does a lot of bookkeeping. And she said, Ashley, you got like a bunch of $197 sales. Like what is, what are you selling for $197? And I was like, I don't know. That's weird. And then I forgot, I put this course up on the sales page and I didn't even hook up the course to it because I thought, Oh, like I'll deal with this later. Nobody's going to find this thing, but I organically got 20 sales in a month. And that was when I realized, Oh wow, it's time for me to bounce back again. Ooh, so I love that. while I have cake publishing, ghostwriting house and all of these ghostwriters writing books for authors and all these things and, you know, email sequences and all of that, I also have private clients that I'm coaching on their mindset, on their business. I'm also doing my own work on myself, releasing any sort of trauma and beliefs about the way people are going to allegedly screw me over. And I am starting this course again, but now with my brother, who is the ultimate healing, because I have no part of me that would ever feel a story that he would screw me over. Mm, so good. I love that. I, I wanted to ask you, how has your view of money changed or what does your view of money look like right now after mm -hmm. going through all of this? The thing I learned the most about money is that it's neutral and it's really just how you hold it and the stories you're telling yourself about what it means. And so for me, I told myself that money meant security and freedom. But what I found is that not caring about any of it and not needing any of it is real security and freedom. And I lost all all of it. And obviously, you know, Kate Publishing has been doing so well and my private practice and, and I got a book deal about the whole thing. Wow. So, and I started the podcast U-Turn and what I found is that there is, it is priceless to be able to go out in the world and be yourself. And if you're received for it, great, but that's not the diamond. It's just being you. And that's why doing the U-Turn podcast, writing the U-Turn book, coming up with this U-Turn concept, which since I've come up with it, I've seen some people create other websites like U-Turns. So <laughs> always, it's always going to happen. It's such a bummer, but it's also flattery, I guess. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things that it's like, wow, you know, I feel so connected. Um, and so what I've learned about money is there's always more to go around. You're your biggest asset. If you knew how to do it before, you know how to do it again. And it's, it's a vibration. If you know how to vibrate in a place with yourself where you can step into that kind of financial creation, you're always going to know that feeling it's available to you. It's on your flavor palette of feelings that you can taste. Um, and so I, I took that, I harnessed that and I created a whole nother company. Mm, so yeah. good, Ashley. I love that. That's like, Thank that's you. such an empowering answer. And that's such empowering advice that you're giving everybody right now. It's exactly what the show is all about. 
do you have a favorite moment of giving? You know, I love, I, I have a habit. Um, I do donate to charities a lot to Ronald McDonald. Um, it's the only camp in the world for cancer patients. So little kids go every summer and I spend 10 days as a volunteer there helping kids with cancer, giving them kind of the highlight of their summer. Usually it's a bunch of 10 year old girls that I'm in a cabin with, but I donate to them. So obviously donating does a lot for me. Pencils of promise, um, charity, you know, all of the different ones that are doing great work. But I would say my favorite thing to do with money is to leave it for people to find it. And that has been one of my favorite practices because it's complete. It's a complete give. Nobody knows it was you that left it. They might be able to guess, um, but it's so just like you did with Uber myself. Yeah. The just 500 like bucks. Yeah. I do that all the time. Um, and it now everyone's really- going to like try and pick you up. You understand that they're all going to be like, Oh, I want, <laughs> I want to be her Uber driver. <laughs> Yeah, like there's like a mass message on Uber right now. Burr, 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 if you see an Ashley stall, I know, right? Um, it's it's definitely, I think, the most rewarding way to be generous is when you feel like somebody needs it and they're not asking for it to just leave it as a gift for them to find. Yeah, that feels so good, doesn't it? It's so a, it it'll make your whole day. It does. It may, I get way more out of it than they, they do. I get such a kick out of it. I guarantee I, it's the exact same thing. It really is. So before I ask you the last question, where can we find you? Like what, where should we follow you? Where should we tap into your copywriting magic and your coaching and everything else? <laughs> um, I would say if you want to find me at my highest levels of self, the U-Turn podcast, it's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast. Um, I'm just doing interviews right now to elevate people's mindset, uh, and question who they are and, and invite them to step into the best self they can be. Uh, otherwise ashleyinternational.com for life and business coaching and cakepublishing.com for ghostwriting and copywriting and PR. Oh my God. I love it. Actually, you know, when you get back from Paris, because before we started this, you said you were going to jaunt off there right as we hang up because of course yeah. you have a glamorous life like that. Um, I would love to sit down and learn more about your copywriting and some of the other services that you, that you offer. Amazing. Yeah. That would be so much fun. I, our team is like there, I've been kind of breathing over them in the office and they're like, leave us alone. We know what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I need somebody to take me out and get, get away from them. I'm bothering them at this point. (laughs) Oh my God. I love it. All right. Last question. I ask everybody this question. I love the, the different answers that I get. Why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of success and or wealth? Mm, Because worthiness is our birthright. Like we came in worthy. And, you know, I think the other day, for example, I was walking home and a girl stepped off the sidewalk. She almost got hit by a car and I pulled her. Uh, This was a few months ago. So she didn't get hit by the car. She definitely would have got hit if I did not pull her out of the way. And we both fell onto the pavement. And I realized in that moment, maybe the purpose of my life was just to help this person. Wow. And and so I think everybody is looking for purpose in money a lot of the time and they don't realize like you came in worthy, you have no idea what your purpose is truly, why something divine placed you here. Um and so success life we're just souls having a human experience and money and success is all part of the game and I would just invite people to play the game if it feels fun to them. 
Wow. Best answer ever. I absolutely love it. Ashley Saul, thank you so much for spending this time with us, for dropping your awesome story, all of your advice, all your tips. You truly are a blessing, not only to everyone who's listening, but it's just been a really cool blessing to get to know you recently. And I'm really excited to see how that unfolds going forward. Thank you so much for sharing me. And it's so funny. I always think my story of loss is such a bummer, but to know if, if it's helpful to anybody is really wonderful. No, so it's empowering. And it's interesting yeah. as hell. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate you being on. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.